Thank you, band. Well done. Appreciate it. Welcome aboard, Sarah. Nice job. Yeah. Well, if uh, this is Palm Sunday, that means next Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Yeah, Easter Sunday. We'll, we'll go with both of those. Uh, I just want to remind you, uh, George Barna uh, has released a study, and he said, if you'll ask a family member or friend to join you next Sunday, uh, somewhere between six and seven out of ten will say yes, if you'll just ask. So, so what's the missing piece? We're, 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 not, we're not so comfortable sometimes asking. Let me encourage you. Who might the Lord have you invite to join you next Sunday? And, and again, the good news is uh, a majority of folks will say yes, and some of them have just been waiting for you to ask. So uh, let me encourage you. Next Sunday be a great one. Uh, lots of folks are thinking about uh, spiritual things and, and thinking about things like church, and I suspect many of them would come if you just ask. Several good reports of the church family loving like Jesus. Uh, someone shared there's a, a large group that came from out of town, matter of fact, out of state. And one of our church families uh, hosted and fed and spoiled and housed. And I just need to say, well done, host family. Thank you for loving uh, folks out of state, just like Jesus would. So you know who you are. Nice job. Thank you. Uh, we've got lots of musicians who are helping out our uh, our uh, church over at East Jordan, the jo East Jordan location, literally dozens of them are helping out and staffing over there so they can worship well over at East Jordan. I just want to say, uh, all of you musicians, nice job. Thank you for loving like Jesus and helping the folks over at East Jordan worship well. And, and finally, I, I had several reports of people who noticed someone who was brand new and uh, went out of their way to include them and to welcome them. And I, and I would just now encourage all of you, if you've got somebody around you who uh, you think might be brand new, introduce yourself. Welcome them. Let, let them know you're glad that they chose to join us here this Sunday. We are in chapter 24 in our journey from Genesis to Revelation, the story, in 31 Sundays. And Today we're going to examine a wild story. How many of you are you up for a wild story today? Okay, we're going to look at a wild story. Maybe one of the most bizarre stories in all of Scripture. But before we go to the Gospel of Mark, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6? If you have your Bibles, I want to show you something there. And that will apply to uh, what we're going to talk about uh, a little bit later. Uh, Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 instructs us, about the masters we serve, okay? Matthew 6, look at verse 24. You want to read it with me? Guess what? This is a treat. I'll let you read sitting down because we're going to stand in just a moment, okay? What a treat, huh? Pretty nice, huh? Okay, here we go. With, out loud, here we go. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Settle and in. Understand what Jesus is instructing us about. Who can serve two masters, according to this verse? Answer? 
No one. No one. Is it possible to serve both God and money at the same time? And your answer would be, no. Impossible. You're either going to serve one or the other. You cannot serve both at the same time. Either you're going to serve Jesus and focusing your resources and your priorities on what Jesus would have you to do, or your focus is going to be on your house, your stocks, your phone, your bank account, your money, and all that that entails. You're going to go one direction or the other. There are no exceptions. Okay, so I saved your standing for now. So, okay, Uh, let's stand together, okay, right now. Here's a little experiment, okay? If you're able, please stand, and here's what I want you to do. Um, I want you to take, when I tell you, not right now because you'll, you'll step on somebody's toes, but I want you to take three steps to your right, okay? You ready? And at the very same time, at the exact moment, I want you to take two steps to your left. Okay? You ready? Got a little experiment going here. Go. Three to your right, at the same time, two to your left. Yeah, yeah, I see some of you. Yeah. Yep. Just what I thought. Okay, you can have a seat. Yeah. Uh, It's impossible. It's not possible. You cannot go in two directions at the same time. You just prove that. You got to choose. You're either going to go to one direction or the other, or some of you were just doing this. yeah, a little, little back and forth. You've got to make a choice. Who are you going to serve? Look at verse 24. I want you to see it's exactly what Jesus said. You're either going to serve Jesus as your king, your boss, your master, or you're going to serve your money and the stuff that your money buys. Now here's what's interesting. Many, if not most, followers of Jesus, we really think down deep, I think I can do both. Yeah, I know what you say here, Jesus, and I know you tell me that that I can't serve both you and my money, but I'm pretty sure I'm the exception to that rule. I I think I can do a little of both, and Jesus says very clearly, verse 24, look at it, you're wrong, you're deceiving yourself, there are no exceptions, you're either going to make your focus, your priority, your master, Jesus, and living his way, and using your resources for him as he directs, or you're going to serve your money and the stuff that your money can buy will rule your lives. Remember that rule, because that's going to come back into play in just a few moments, okay? Uh, We are in Mark chapter 5 today. Mark chapter 5, if you have the story with you, it's page 343. And 344 in the story, I said it earlier, this, this is one of the strangest and most interesting and most bizarre stories in all of the Bible. We're going to have exercise church today. Is that okay? Would you stand with me one more time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Verses 1 to 13, we're going to read out loud together. Track what, uh, what's happening here. It's pretty interesting. And, and that word there is garrisons. Say it, garrisons. Okay, now you know what it is. Here we go. They went across the lake to the region of the garrisons. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. 
This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When they saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for recording even wild and bizarre instances uh, that occurred when your son walked on this earth. So thank you for uh, this, this uh, very interesting section of your book. And Lord, I believe that you have something to say to us today from it. So would you teach us and instruct us? Lord, uh, show us how this passage applies to our lives today, 2017. Lord, we want to pause and we invite you to take charge today in your church. Because this is your church, Lord. Uh, use these uh, weak and goofy lips today as we study your word. Help us to hear clearly from you. May the power of your word and the power of your spirit have freedom today to speak and nudge and convict and challenge as you see fit. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one strong voice, you have your Bible, look at the end of Mark chapter 4, because they had an interesting ride over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, they're on a boat trip going to the other side, and Jesus falls asleep. Remember that? And he's sound asleep, and what happens? This, this massive storm comes on the Sea of Galilee, and Many of these uh, that are in the boat with Jesus are seasoned fishermen. So, so they, they've lived their life on this lake. And this violent storm nearly swamps the boat while Jesus, in his humanities, had a long day, just sleeps like a baby. Uh, the twelve disciples are convinced they're going to die, and they wake Jesus up. And do you remember what they say to Jesus? Hey, Lord, Master, Jesus! Don't you care that we're about to die? Why are you just sleeping? Why don't you do something? And Jesus wakes up and he says, Quiet, be still to the storm. 
and the wind and the waves completely calm. And it says, they were, verse 41, what? Wow, nice job. We're impressed. Is that what they were? They were what? Verse 41. They were terrified. Whoa. <laughs> this is amazing. Look, look what he's done. Now the ride is over, okay? They land on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. They dock the boat. And as soon as they dock the boat, who greets them? I'm going to call him wild, crazy Harry, okay? okay? I, I, don't, I doubt that was his name, but he had a name, right? Uh, I'm sure when his mother gave birth, he did have a name. I'm not sure, you know, it could be Myron or it could be Bob or Nathan, uh, Chad. I'm not sure what his real name is, but for the sake of our text today, we're going to call him Harry. Uh, anyway, Harry meets Jesus and the disciples as soon as they get out of the boat. And I, and I can kind of already hear Peter, oh great, <laughs> oh great. We nearly drowned by a freak storm, and now we have this, he's naked, okay? Did you notice that? He's bleeding. He, we're greeted by this freak shouting at us at the top of his lungs. <laughs> That's what we need right now, right? Uh, look at verses 3 and 4. How did the community attempt to deal with Harry? Their response, let's tie him up. (laughs) Let's chain him. Uh, Let's let's put him in some big, strong chains, hands and feet. Uh, But this guy should have worked at Jimmy John's. He wasn't freaky fast. He was what? He was freaky strong. And he was so strong that he kept busting the chains apart. Now, I don't know about you, but that would make me a little frightened of this guy, wouldn't you? Yeah, if you know, this guy's running around naked around the cemetery and shouting and cutting himself, and I'm just telling you, uh, it's, it's a very interesting greeting they get when they get off the boat. Look at verses 6 to 8. Uh, the demon-possessed man runs to Jesus, runs probably full steam and shouts as loud as he can shout, look, look what he shouts. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? The demons instantly recognize Jesus. Please understand, Satan's demonic army, they know exactly who Jesus is. They realize he is indeed the second person of the Trinity. And if you look at verses 6 to 8, their concern... Please don't torture us. Where did they get that idea? If you want to, write Jude chapter, verse 6. There's only one chapter. Jude, verse 6, chapter 1, if you want to go there, okay? And you can read about that later. But they know God's word. They know Jesus. And they're on the defensive. And they're afraid that they're going to get bound up. And they won't be able to have any activity until the lake of fire. Revelation 20 and verse 10 where they're going to get tossed. The demons know their fate. Now, they don't like their fate, uh, but they know that they eventually are going to get bound up, Jude 6. Eventually, they're going to be thrown into the lake of fire, Revelation 20 and verse 10. They know what's coming. And here's what's interesting. James 1.19. Uh, you can turn there if you want, or I'll just read it to you. 
It says, you believe there is one God, good, even the demons believe that and shudder. Even the demons know about the one God of the Bible. Satan and his demons know about Jesus, God taking on human body, God with skin on. The demons understand that Jesus died on the cross. Track with me. The demons, Satan's demonic army, they understand Jesus shed his blood for the sin problem of mankind. The demons realize and they know that Jesus early Sunday morning did what? Rose from the dead. They know what he did. They know the facts. Um, the difference is they refuse to receive Jesus as their master. Tracking with me? They refuse to say yes to Jesus. I believe. I receive you. Come take charge and be the master and the Lord of my life. That's where the demons stop. So please understand the demons know exactly who this is. They know the facts about Jesus, but that's not enough. And I would argue there's lots of folks today, especially in our country, they have demonic faith. They know about Jesus. They even sort of like Jesus. Yeah, you know, he's, he's a good guy, and he did good things. And, and yeah, I've heard about him, and I, I remember studying about him at some point in my life. So they sort of date and flirt with Jesus, but I just want you to understand that's not enough. Up to that point, that's just demonic faith. You know the facts, but to be a follower of Jesus is to now say, and I know the facts, and I know who you are, Jesus, and by faith I believe and I receive you. Take charge of my life. Be my king. I say I do by faith. So, so I need to ask, have you said yes to Jesus? And I mean not just, yes, I believe the facts. Have you said yes to Jesus and now received him as your king and your boss, your master? Lots of folks got demonic faith. That's not enough. That's not enough. You got to go that next step, that key important step, and receive him as Savior and Lord. Now, Jesus takes charge of the situation. Look at verse 9. Uh, he, he steps up. Then Jesus asks him, um, Hey, Harry, what's your name? Uh, no, he didn't know his name, but he's going to find out. But I guess his name is, what does he say? Harry Legion, right? He replied, for, for we are many. For we're many. And again, begs Jesus, don't send me out of the area. Don't make me go. Um, uh, a legion, by the way, is about 6,000 Roman soldiers. So think on that for a moment before we go on. Okay? About 6,000. We're a legion, so we're in the thousands. Thousands of demons are inhabiting Harry. Tracking with me? Okay, let's read on. Uh, uh, beg Jesus, don't send us out of the area. Verse 11, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into the pigs. Um, let's just pause for a moment. Why did the demons request to possess the piggies? Um, like I said, they're trying to avoid getting 
put into prison, Jude 6. They don't want to be confined. They're saying, we know our time is short, eternal judgment's coming, um, but we really don't want to be put into that confinement that Jude 6 talks about. Um, Jesus, would you let us go into those pigs instead? Jesus, can we go possess the piggies? Um, the next question, uh, well, why does Jesus permit them to enter this herd of swine? How many pigs are there? About what? About 2,000. Okay. Well, one option is perhaps these pigs were owned by Jewish owners. Uh, Leviticus 11 and verse 7 says very clearly, if you were a part of God's chosen people, you were to have nothing to do with swine, nothing to do with pigs. Uh, some of the nation of Israel's most fierce enemies had large herds, any guesses, of pigs, and they've actually found large mounds of pig bones that were sacrificed to their false gods. So, so why is it such a big deal? This is God protecting his chosen people. I don't want you going near pigs because that probably means you're near pigs and the false gods. I want you to worship me, the one and the true God, so just stay away from pigs. Because <laughs> if, you're, if you're around pigs, you're probably around those false gods. So just stay away from the pigs. So if these pigs were owned by Jewish owners, it's pretty obvious why, yeah, just go into them, we're going to get rid of those pigs. But more likely, track with me, Jesus knew that the 2,000 pigs running off to hog heaven, and it has nothing to do with Harleys, y'all, uh, the, the 2,000 pigs doing the dead piggy float would speak volumes to the community. Why? Well, they would suddenly realize all of those demons were inside Harry. <laughs> Harry was, was possessed by all of those demons that now go into 2,000 hogs and cause them to run right off the cliff. The uh, picture of 2,000 bloated hogs, a really powerful sight. Destructive, the deadly influence of Satan and his demons. And that's still true today. I'm just telling you, Jesus knew if those pigs go over the cliff, 9 and 10 and 7 and 4 news, they're going to have camera crews right on the scene, don't you think? And, and that would be the, the lead story. Uh, 2,000 pigs run off the cliff, and now they'd get a good shot. Can you, can you picture in your head right now 2,000 pigs floating there in the Sea of Galilee? and they're bloated little piggy bodies, and now they're talking about, can you believe it? That would be the headlines in the Decapolis News Review that night. Okay? Jesus was right. It, it, it would get everybody's attention, and that's exactly what happened. Go back to the text, verse 14. Those tending the pigs, 2,000 of them, ran off, and reported this in town and in the countryside. And when news got out, the people went out to see what had happened. Verse 15, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man, who's that? Harry, who'd been possessed by the legion of demons, 
sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. And what does it say? When they saw Harry, what does it say? And they were what? And they were, they, they're afraid. I can't believe this. Um, those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man, told about the pigs. Then the people began to plead with Jesus. Please get out of here. Leave our region. Isn't that interesting? The power of Jesus had blown away the evil. The power of Jesus had whooped the fannies. You're allowed to say it in church? I think you are. Whooped the You want to say it in church with me? Had whooped the fannies of 2,000 of Satan's best. And I'm telling you, it attracted attention. From all around the surrounding countryside, people are coming and they see the dead piggies floating in the Sea of Galilee. They see Harry smiling. I, I, I suspect he put a suit and tie on, don't you think? He's sitting there. He, he's relaxed. He's, he's in his right mind. I hope he combed his hair, brushed his teeth. Now Harry's there. And, and verse 15, I want you to see, last line, and they were terrified. Same word as the last uh, verse 41 of chapter 4. Um, they are terrified. When, when the disciples see Jesus taking charge of the storm, they're terrified. And now when all the people see Harry sitting there and they see the pigs floating, they are terrified. They're, they're afraid. What's going on here? When the awesome power of Jesus is seen and understood, give me your eyes, when everybody gets it, there is terror and fear in men's hearts. Now, he's been dead for a while, but how many of you remember Mr. Rogers? Can, can I see your hands? Cardigan sweater? Yeah? Okay. Good. Good. Uh, for some reason, when we think about Jesus, um, we sort of think of Mr. Rogers in his cardigan sweater and kind of walking up and softly saying, won't you be my neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor? Just kind, gentle, never raises his voice. Or, or maybe worse, we think about Jesus as that big purple dinosaur. What, what's his name again? Yeah, you guys know about Barney, don't you? And, and what is he? I love you. Come on, sing with me. You love me. We're a happy family. Yeah, that's Jesus, don't you think? He's kind of a cross between half Barney and half Mr. Rogers, and he, he's just very gentle and kind. And, and I just would say to you, look back at verse 15, and you can also look at verse 41 of chapter 4, and I just want you to know that is a lie. That, that's wrong thinking. When people truly understand and comprehend the power and the authority of Jesus, when we really get who Jesus is, he ain't no Barney and he's no Mr. Rogers. He's awesome. And when we comprehend really what Jesus is all about, his power and his authority, you know what? It brings fear. <laughs> We're terrified when we finally recognize who Jesus is. We sang about him early. He's the lion. He's 
the Lion of Judah. He's the King of Kings, and he's the Lord of Lords. And, and when they see that picture of Jesus, uh, I'm not going to mess with, with him. He's awesome, and he's powerful. Look at verse 17. What do they say? Could you, could you leave, Jesus? Could, could you get out of here? Um, okay, we get who you are. We understand, uh, but we want you to leave our area quickly. Leave. We, we don't want you in our area uh, of the garrisons anymore. You're, you're not welcome here anymore. Now here's the question. Why would these people respond this way? Why would they want Jesus, the King of Kings, the Line of Judah, the powerful one, why would they ask Jesus to leave quickly? Please, just get out of here. Well, the primary reason, you ready? is because Jesus has messed with their what? Got your wallet with you? Go ahead. You can pull it out right now. Yeah? Yeah? Okay. It's okay. The offering is already passed, okay? Uh, but, but when you start messing with people's wallets, it terrifies people. Did you know that? When you mess with people's money, suddenly now, uh, that's a high cost to pay Jesus. We just lost 2,000 pigs. And, and I, I wanted to take the time to figure out what a pig would be worth today, dollars, and, and figure out. But they lost a lot of money. And when they realized how much it costs to follow Jesus, um, they say, please leave. Please leave. Now we realize, Jesus, we have a choice. We can choose you, Jesus, or we can choose pigs, our choice is, what was it? We choose pigs. Because to follow you <laughs> is going to cost way too much. Uh, the folks were glad. We're glad about Harry. We're glad that he's doing well. But we really prefer pigs to Harry, is really what they were saying. Think about it. We prefer pigs to people. If we have to choose, um, do, I, do I really care about Harry so much that I'm willing to sacrifice and pay whatever it costs, or do I prefer my precious pigs? They choose pigs. I'll take, I'll take my pigs over people. So just leave, please. We, we're afraid of what you might ask us to give up next. We're afraid of what you might ask us to do. We're afraid of you, Jesus. Get out of here. So Jesus gets it back in the boat. He honors their request. And I just want you to understand, Jesus doesn't force himself on anyone. They understood clearly who Jesus was. They knew the power of Jesus greater than the power that was in Harry. They tried to deal with Harry. No way. We couldn't stop him. But Jesus, we realize who you are. Um, but get out of here. Jesus doesn't stay and force the issue. He leaves. He doesn't force himself and cause anyone to make them follow him. And now they're just getting ready to leave. They're about to shove off in the boat. Uh, slide down to verse 18. Uh, as Jesus was getting in the boat, uh, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with Jesus. Please, Jesus. I don't like it around here. I got a reputation. 
Everybody knows what I'm like. Everybody knows what I did. And I'm embarrassed. Please, Jesus, can I go with you? Verse 19, interesting. Jesus did not let him get in the boat. But he said, "Uh, Harry, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Harry begs Jesus, take me, please. No, verse 19, this is huge. Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. How much training in doctrine did Harry have? Um, Give me an answer. What do you think? How much training in theology? How much training in evangelism did Harry have at this point? Answer? (laughs) Uh, How much training in the Old Testament did Harry have at this time? So what is it that Harry knew that he could go and tell his family and friends about? Think with me. What is it that Harry knew? Because Jesus says, no, you can't come with me. Go back home, tell your family, tell your friends how much the Lord has done for you. Here's what Harry could say. Um, I was tortured by demons. A legion of demons possessed my life. And Jesus Christ came and he freed me from the demons. Jesus has set me free. And now I'm a follower of Jesus and he'll do the same for you. That's the only thing Harry knew, but I'm just telling you, that's all he needed to know. Harry was the first missionary to the Gentiles in that region. We we know this region in garrisons. It was the home of ten Roman cities, and we know that Harry was told, I want you to go and tell everybody, tell your family, tell your friends the story of what Jesus has done in your life. Um, And... Verse 20, so Harry, the man, went away and he began to tell in the Decapolis, that's the ten Roman cities in that region, how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were what? Why were they amazed? Because most of them knew about Harry, right? Most of them had had nightmares about Harry. I'm sure all the little kids, whenever they saw Harry, That night, they didn't sleep well. They had nightmares about Harry and him yelling and screaming, cutting himself and breaking the chains. Now, they're hearing the story from Harry and they're saying, wow, something's changed. Harry was wild and crazy and out of control and something has changed. And Harry says, it was Jesus. It was Jesus who came and set me free. And I, and I think Harry said, and, and he'll set you free too. Now this is kind of cool. In, in that area of the Decapolis, they found uh, several ancient churches that go way, way back. Way, way back. Early churches. And it's interesting to think that it's likely Harry was the first one to get those churches started. Think about it. Harry came and he had this message, Jesus set me free and he'll set you free. And apparently lots of folks were so amazed that they chose to follow Jesus as well. Now here's my question, you ready? 
Have you went back home and told the people what Jesus has done in your life? You know who I'm talking about. The people who used to know you when, when you were wild and crazy. The people who knew you when you weren't a follower of Jesus. Have you went back home and told them, you're not going to believe this, but, but remember where I was and what I used to be like and, and look at what Jesus has done in my life. I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. Um, growing up, uh, I had 800 folks who graduated with me in my high school class. And uh, now I'm back and uh, at the 10th, reunion of uh, our high school class uh, of Portage High School 1976. Some of you were that year too, right? Uh, so now, I, I don't know, there's maybe 300 of us there, and they said, and now the only pastor of our graduating class of 780-some um, is going to come and pray before we eat. And there literally were whispers. Who's the traitor? Which of the 780-some? Who, who could it be? And, and I, I, this is sincere, but when they said, and the pastor from our class is Jeff Ellis, there was an audible gasp. <gasps> Why? Because in many ways, I was hairy. Again, I, I didn't run around naked. Uh, didn't cut myself with stones, but they knew this loudmouth, selfish, profane punk is a pastor? <laughs> are, you, are you kidding me? Are, are you kidding me? How did that happen? And I recall walking back after I prayed, and, and people are saying, what happened to you? What, what happened to you? We, we knew what you were like, and, and that, that what, what, something happened. And, and I'm just telling you, the opportunity just was like there. The Lord put the golf ball on the tee and said, okay, you can hit it now. Uh, I was able to share, you know what? Something did happen, and he has a name, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus, and he's changed me, and he'll change you. Again, some of us say, well, I've got to get trained in theology and doctrine and how to share my... And I'm not saying those aren't good things. It's good to have a foundation. We need to get there. But you don't need to have all that before you just say, here's what I know. I, I was chained up and I was in an awful place. And look at what Jesus has done in my life. And he'll do the same for you. Have you done that yet? Have you gone back home? Have you shared with people who used to know you in the old days? You know what I'm talking about? The people who knew what you were about and knew that you were hairy-like? Uh, again, I'm just saying, uh, that's the challenge for us today. You've got to go back home and share. And some of you are thinking, you know, I, I don't think so. I, I, I'm, I'm too far gone, Pastor Jeff. I, I, don't, think, I don't think Jesus would want me. So, so let me point to exhibit A, Harry, and you think about where he was at, and did Jesus want him to be a part of his family? Answer. Okay. I'll, I'll point to 
selfish, loud, profane, proud punk Jeff, exhibit B. And, and, and I'm just telling you, I don't know why, but he wanted me to be a part of his family too. He set me free. I want you to know Jesus 2017 is still in the business of changing lives. Not one amen. Okay, so I'm going to give you another run at that one. Okay, because that's like a perfect spot. Okay, okay, here we go, another run. Know this, Jesus 2017 is still today in the business of changing lives. Has he changed yours? And if he has, have you gone back to the folks who used to know you when you weren't living and walking with Jesus and shared what Jesus has done? But please understand, before we go and spout off what Jesus has done, I need to ask this question. Are you serving people or are you serving pigs? Here's what I mean by that. The residents of the town and the countryside and the Decapolis, they said, okay, we get it. There's a choice here. We can choose Jesus or we can choose pigs, our income, our money, our retirement, our bank account. Think about it in these terms. That's, that represents our house, our car, our phone, our computer, um, all the things that our money represents, that's the pigs, or we can serve Jesus. And they said, no thanks, we'll take pigs. And I would argue that today, 2017, most people, if they really get it, do you want Jesus, and you're going to do Everything Jesus the Master says, and you're, he's going to be the king and the boss, and, and all of your resources are in Jesus' control, or, or do you want to serve your stuff? Most people today say, honest, I'll take the pigs. Most people today, if you put it to them, Jesus, you chose people, you chose Harry, you wanted people to be set free, but to do that's going to cost a lot of pigs, and I don't think I'm willing to pay the price for people. Uh, please leave, Jesus. I choose pigs over people. You cannot serve. Remember Matthew chapter 6? You cannot serve both Jesus and pigs. We can't. You're going to choose one or the other. So here's my question as we close. Which one are you serving as your master today? And I know the temptation is, I think I can do both. And remember, you couldn't go two directions at once. Either today, Jesus is your priority, Jesus is your passion, and he has all of you and everything you own, and it's at your disposal, Jesus. And Jesus is all about setting people free. Jesus is all about people and using us to see people set free. Or you're here today, and it's not that you don't like Jesus, you don't respect Jesus, but the truth is you're really serving pigs. I'm really more 
dedicated. I'm really more uh, focused on my stuff. I, I'm really focused on my money and, and all of the stuff that my money can buy. Say it one last time. You've got to choose. People of the Decapolis, they chose. We choose pigs over people. <laughs> we'll take our pigs over Harry, and today it's still true. You're going to serve Jesus and people, you're going to serve pigs. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes as we close. And I would argue that this is one of those areas where it's very easy to deceive yourself. Yeah, I'm, I'm devoted and dedicated follower of Jesus. Okay? Well, how does that work out with your money, with your stuff? Where's your priority? What's your master? Is it Jesus or is it your money and the stuff that your money can bring you? Would you be willing right where you're seated to say, Jesus, would you show me? Would you make it clear? Are you the master of my life, Jesus? Using the money that you bring my way to reach the Harry's around me, to do whatever it is you make clear to me? Or is the truth, I'm really chasing after pigs and more money and all the stuff that my money can bring me? Speak, Lord. We need to hear from you. We're listening. Living in the most wealthy country in the richest time in all of history. A huge temptation for us is to make money our master. Priority, yeah, yeah, I, I like Jesus and I want fire insurance, and, but really, you know, my house, my car, my phone, my computer, my savings, my retirement account. That's really my master. Two possibilities if that's true for you. At one point in your life, you made Jesus your master, your savior, but at some point, uh, you replaced Jesus as the king and the boss, and you put the shiny stuff that money can buy in his place. Here, here's the good news. Jesus, through his word, just gave you a little wake-up call. Lord, I, I've been choosing poorly. I've been choosing pigs over people. But with your power and grace, I want to get you back on the throne that you deserve.
You deserve to be the king and the master of my life. This serving money and chasing after pigs doesn't satisfy. It's, it's empty. And if that's you here today, here's, here's the remedy. Are you ready? As the Lord makes himself clear, begin to give generously. The solution is to start listening, and as the Lord makes himself clear, Lord, I'm going to give generously, and whatever you make clear, I'm in. You deserve to be my master. The other possibility is you're like Harry today, a great sinner in need of a great Savior. Great news. 2017, Jesus is ready and able to change your life. Just like he did Harry's life. Just like he did my life. Today, you need to say yes to Jesus as your master. Jesus, I'm ready to follow you. I'm ready to receive you by faith. I'm ready to follow you all the days of my life. And right where you're seated, by faith, I believe you are God with skin on. You took my place on the cross. You shed my, your blood from my sin problem. You took my place in the tomb and early Sunday morning. You rose from the dead for me. I believe. I receive. Be my master. Thanks, Lord, for your book. It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharp. It's alive. Thanks for this wild and crazy story that we got to dig through from your book. It's in Jesus' name we pray.